Hello, friends. Welcome to A Word of Victory. God bless you. Father, we thank you for this time together. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus, to forgive us, Father, for being distracted, Lord, in Jesus' name. We ask you, Lord, to help us to focus our eyes upon Jesus. We ask you, Lord, to open our spiritual ears, to let us hear what is on your heart, Father God. What are the things that you are revealing to us through your word? Lord, we ask you to open our spiritual eyes and let us see, Lord, that there are more with us than there are with the enemy. Lord, I pray today for each one of these, your children, Lord, your sons and your daughters, my brothers and sisters. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name that each one, Lord, uh, would grow in the knowledge of you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill the place where they're at right now with your glory, with your peace, with your power, Lord. And I thank you, Father, for the shalom of God to fall and rest upon them in Jesus' name as they hear this word. Friend, this is a recording of our um, Sabbath day, uh, last Saturday evening service. And I apologize. It was my first time doing it and recording it. And um, I I had the microphone a little too close to the pages as I was turning them, so I apologize in advance to you for any um, interference from that, and I'll try and do better the next time. But I just encourage you with this word and uh, to open your heart to the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. So in John 15, um, in verse 1, and it says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So the kingdom of God is all about, as we say, you know, advancement and bearing fruit for the Lord. And he goes on to say, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. So, will you say that? I'm a branch. I'm a branch. And I'm meant to bear fruit. I'm meant to bear fruit. Amen. You know, sometimes though, when storms and, and tornadoes and hurricanes come, it's, it's the branches that get bent over in the wind. And uh, the wind tries to rip through them. But, you know, as long as that branch is healthy and strong and, and attached to the, to the vine or attached to the tree that it's growing out of, um, it will see, you know, how many trees do you know around you? And, and, and we've had red warnings and orange warnings, yellow warnings, and those trees and those branches are still strong and thriving and producing fruit every year. And that's what God wants you to know. Um, without, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me or he who remains in me. So abiding there is talking about remaining. And so abiding means, you know, dwelling with, uh, bringing the Lord into every situation, really. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Will you say that? Without God, without God. I can do nothing. That takes a lot of pressure off people. Do you know that? Um, because in Philippians 4 it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you see, our strength needs to be coming from our relationship 
with the Lord. Not in ourselves. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burnt. If you abide in me, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you or abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. So you see, withered branches that have, you know, been, been dried up uh, are, are good for nothing except for tinder. That's not tinder, the app now, that's tinder, the, the uh, starting a fire. You know, nice dry uh, little branches are brilliant for starting a fire, but that's all they're good for. And uh, this is what happens to many of us when we... When, when our eyes get taken off of the Lord and get just put on the situation, which is quite understandable because, you know, in, in the heat of the, of the storm, uh, the wind is howling, the sea is raging, uh, the storm is, is, is surging, and it can really appear quite frightening, quite overwhelming. But yet God says, you know, if you abide in me, you will be attached to that vine and he will not let you go. Um, in Job 23, can we just flick back to Job? Lord, we thank you for your word here tonight in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we submit to you, Lord, and we ask you to bring revelation. By the power of your, by the power of your spirit, Lord, we ask you to bring revelation in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. That we will hear good news, Lord. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Job 23, verse 12. Will we read it together? Once we all get there, just give it a second. Praise God. Are you ready? I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. So you see, uh, there's uh, a likening to food, to the word of God, so much through the Bible. In, in Matthew chapter um, 6, I think it is, isn't it, Matthew 6, uh, verse 11, it says, yeah, Matthew six eleven. it says, give us this day our daily bread. And so many people, when they, they, they rattle off that prayer, you know, the Lord's prayer, uh, give us this day our daily bread. And they're not even listening to the words they're speaking. But the thing is, is, uh, our daily bread means our provision for everything. It doesn't just mean finances. Many people look at that as being, you know, bless me financially in some way so that I have enough to buy food. But our daily bread is the bread of life. And Jesus, in John chapter 6, if you want to flick there to John's Gospel again, and chapter 6, he revealed himself here as the bread from heaven, the bread of life. And he spoke of how God had, you know, fed the Israelites in the wilderness with manna. So in this um, time, when the, when the Jews came out of slavery in Egypt and Moses led them out, where did God lead them? He led them into the wilderness, a place where there's no water, no food, no cover or shelter, no protection. Why did God do that? Because he wanted to show them that he would provide for them. 
And that's one of his names, you know, and I know we spoke last week of his, uh, of his name as the God who sees and, and uh, Jehovah Rapha, God our healer. But his name is also Jehovah Jireh, which means God our provider. His name is also El Shaddai, which means the all-breasted one, the one who has got more than enough for, for everybody. And so when he put them into that wilderness, he covered them with a cloud during the day to protect them from the searing heat of the sun. He, he surrounded them with a fire at night to protect them from the, the blistering cold. He uh, had Moses hit the rock then he later had Moses speak to the rock and water gushed out enough to water three and a half million people and all of their livestock and animals. That is a serious, that wasn't just a trickle, you know. And the thing is, is that that religious spirit and, and the way that we have been perhaps groomed in life growing up is, is to think little of God. Well, if he only gives me a little, if I can only you know, believe him for, for just a, a chink of light. But God wants to do, it says in Ephesians chapter 3.20, he wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ask or dream of. And maybe that's why he carried the Israelites out into the wilderness. Because had he carried them somewhere where there was plenty of food and water, then they would have said, well, look, those things were here anyway. We didn't, you know. But out in the wilderness, they saw God's hand move. And I'm sure that many of us here today can testify that we have seen God's hand move in our lives at different times, Amen. you know? And we've all been through trials and traumas and storms. And guess what? The Lord has brought us out and he will bring you out again. And, and Breedy, you said that to me one time. Uh, you'll grow. <laughs> you'll grow the most. Out of every Yeah. Yeah. You'll... You, 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 You'll grow and come up a level through every trial you go through when you overcome it and come out the other side. So God is a faithful God. Mm -hmm. And um, his word, you know, uh, as we focus on his word, we are eating daily bread. And going back to those, that wilderness uh, scenario as well with those Israelites, they suddenly woke up one morning and they said, we have no food and nothing grows here. In this, it was a desert. It's, it's you know, a, a completely arid ground. Nothing grew there. So there was no way of them, you know, cultivating a quick crop that would grow for them. They had only had so much time to prepare, so they had only brought so much food with them. And again, this is how God wanted it to be. Because had they been able to, to bring cartloads of stuff with them, then they wouldn't have needed him and they wouldn't have been able to see his power operating and coming through for them in their lives. And so they said, God, we have no, we have no food. And so the next morning when they woke up, the ground was white. And it was this thing they had never seen before. And they called it manna. And in the Psalms, God calls manna the angel's food. So that every morning they would get up, except for the morning of the Sabbath. Because on the day before the Sabbath, there would be double the amount on the ground. Because the, the Lord wanted them to rest on the Sabbath. And here you are this evening, in this place, on the Sabbath day. And you are coming into his presence. 
I'll tell you, you've made a choice this evening that, that uh, you will be rewarded for because the Lord said he rewards those who diligently seek him out. Amen. You know, when people are in trouble, and Breed often says this, you know, when, when you were, and my, my mother as well, uh, you know, when things were really bad, you went to meetings all over the country. You packed all your children into the car, and even though you didn't have anything, um, you know, ma'am, the same. They went here, there, and everywhere to hear the word of the Lord and to be fed with that fresh manna. There, many of you have made journeys here from far, far away, and it has taken planning and preparation and, and to take you out of your, your usual routine. But I'll tell you, God rewards those who diligently seek him out. And the days we're in, these are perilous times, as we keep saying. And, you know, I believe the Lord is watching, like we read last week. He watched intently what David did. He watched intently the way that David acted out in the wilderness. David could have been lying down all day, you know, looking up at the, the sky. But he chose to, to honor God and to live for him and to worship him. And he, that's where he practiced, out in the wilderness, out on the hillside. That's where he practiced entering into God's presence so that when he went out on the battlefield, all he needed was to know that the Lord was with him and one stone and his catapult. That's all he needed because he knew that with God with him, there was nothing impossible to him because he also knew that when he went out on the battlefield that it wasn't David facing this giant. He said, you come at me with sticks, but he said, I come to you in the name of the Most High God. And he, we read this last week, didn't we? He will deliver you into my hands. And so it's no different for you. But the thing is, is there's, there is nourishment that is required to build you up. Many people are like, you know, uh, these withered branches that we just read about in John 15. They've been dried up by the circumstances, by lack of, of time in the word of God, lack of time in church. You know, that's the truth. And, and we've all gone into that place where, where we've all been too busy. But the thing is, is that we need to realize what's our priority because who's the one who's been there to help us? You see, people come along and they drive up to McDonald's window. They go to the first window, they give their order. They go to the next window, they pay the money. And they go to the third window and they collect the food. And then they drive off happy. That's the way many people have been treating God. Give me, give me. I need it now. What are you doing? Why are you taking so long? Oh my God, I've been here two and a half minutes and there's no, there's no food coming. You know, it, it, we, there is something that needs to be put in. Uh, anyway, in John 6, the bread from heaven. Uh, this was right after uh, the apostles had been in the boat. There had, uh, they'd seen and witnessed Jesus walking on the water. And in fact, in, in the other gospel, I'm not sure if it's Matthew or Mark, uh, when Jesus came walking on the water, there was actually a storm going on. And, and a, a huge storm had, had stirred up. And they felt terribly frightened and they saw this vision coming walking on the water to them and it was Jesus and and you know uh, this is the thing that even in the midst of your storm he is there with you like we said last week his name is Emmanuel Emmanuel can you say Emmanuel Emmanuel, Emmanuel means God is with me 
God with us, it means God with us. Emmanuel. Like Aileen sang, you know, I will call upon your name. Uh, Romans 10, we read it Thursday night, says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You need to learn God's names. Emmanuel, El Shaddai, uh, Jehovah Jireh, the God who, who um, supplies all my needs. Jehovah Rapha, God my healer. Adonai, the Lord of heaven's armies, because he's the one who fights for you. That's what David said. He, he spoke to the, the, the giant that was facing him. And he, he, was he afraid? I'm sure he was shaking and terrified. But he spoke out God's name. The Lord of heaven's armies, the most high God, Yahweh, is with me. And he is the one who fights for me. And he will give you into my hand. Many of us need to do that with the giants that are facing us. Because there are people who are being tormented by sicknesses, by mental anguish, by financial failure, by uh, strife or problems in work or in family, where the enemy is the one who's screaming. This is never going to work out. You're finished. Who do you think you are? How many times have we read that in the Old Testament where Israel's enemies came at them and said, ha, you think this God of yours is going to come through for you? You know, and belittled them and made them feel small and insignificant. But God did come through for them. And he made a, a show of their enemies and overcame them. And it is no different for you. And what you're doing when you come here to church is you are being tooled. That's the word I believe I heard the Lord speak to me this week. You're being equipped and tooled. You see those guys that are, um, you know, on, on various programs uh, when they're making stuff and things like that. And, and they wear all these tool belts and they've got all these tools hanging off of every part of their body. You know, and they, you, you need something done and they have the tool for it. Well, that's who you are. You're being tooled and equipped in church. As you eat and feed on the bread of life, you're being nourished and strengthened from the inside so that when the evil day comes, you will be able to stand and the Lord will give you the grace. He will give you the grace to come through it. So in um, John 6, uh, praise God, verse, let's see, I think it's 32. Let's read it together in verse 32. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then he said to them, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I say that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. And this is the place where many people are, is that, you know, they're, they're, they're doubting, and they're finding that the enemy comes in and, and, and whispers in the area, but what if it doesn't happen? What if it doesn't work out? What is going to be your plan B? You need a plan B. And you know what that is? That's an orphan spirit that gives into that because the orphan spirit says 
I need to make sure that I make my life comfortable for me. And I will do whatever it takes to make sure that I am looked after. That's an orphan spirit. And this is where it frightens people because it frightens people to surrender to the Lord and to say, Lord, I have no clue what's going on here. I know that I'm being attacked. I know that there's an assignment against me. But Father, I will trust in you. Just as David spoke to that giant, I will speak to that situation and I'll command the enemy bound and I'll loose your ministering angels and I will loose the word of God out of my mouth and I will proclaim your greatness and I will stand and Father, I will see you hand acting upon my enemies and bringing me out from this situation that's how the church needs to do to be and it's not difficult you're all looking at me (laughs) it's not difficult do you know what you have to do open your mouth that's all you have to do encourage each other it's great if you're you know there are many families here today that's brilliant Find someone who will stand with you to encourage you. But at the end of the day, just like David out on the hillside on his own, there's, you know, all of us, we will all uh, come before the Lord on our own in our situations. And it's that bread that we've been eating when we've been most alone, when we've been most down. Many people are totally spiritually emaciated. You know, when you see a person who's, who's emaciated, it's it's... It's a frightful thing, Uh, you know, because there's no flesh on the body. And very often death is very close. And and that's the way those branches are are that are after breaking off from the vine. Praise God. So the word of God, Jesus is the word of God, he said, and he is the bread of life who came down from heaven. And just as the same way, those Israelites, every morning they had to go out and they had to gather in that manna. They gathered it up, they brought it in, they ground it into a powder, and then they boiled it and made it into a bread. And it said the bread, it tasted like wafers and honey. Isn't God so good? Gee, it could have tasted like gruel or porridge, but it didn't. It tasted like wafers and honey. So it was sweet to them. And that's what the word of God is. You know, when you take time out of your day and prioritize time with the Lord, prioritize it. What you're doing is you're eating something so sweet that nothing else can compare. Jesus, when he was being tempted in the wilderness, in um, Luke chapter 4, I think it is, you know, Satan came to him and he said, he knew he was hungry because he'd been fasting for 40 days and he he tried to bring a a question about Jesus' identity. That's exactly the way the enemy operates. He tries to bring rejection and inferiority. Oh, you're not as good you know, as what you think you are. Oh, God isn't who you think he is. He's not going to come through for you. And so the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, turn this stone or this rock into bread because you're hungry and you're weak. Jesus didn't get into a tit for tat with him. He just answered him the word of God. And he said, you know the word? Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Praise God. We need to take time to feed daily off of his table. Psalm 23. 
Uh, people rattle it off again, but you know, they don't take time to come to the table. And instead, they're being lured by the delicacies that the devil hands to them. And he, he may dress it up and, and garnish it, what he's delivering to you, but it's oppression, it's fear, it's doubt, it's lack, it's, you know, strife or unforgiveness or whatever. It's dangerous and it's poison. But at God's table and in his word, what happens is we don't read his word. His word reads us. And so when we study the word of God, he very gently disciplines us and chastises us. Not like, you know, putting us across our, his, his, his thigh and flaking the backside off you. But he, he brings things to the surface that need to be dealt with in us. He identifies areas where the enemy has had victory over us, whether it's our thought life or, or you know, some kind of sin or, or a generational iniquity coming down, a bent towards a particular thing, being, you know, uh, uh, depressed or, or, or self-hatred, whatever it is. And the Lord brings these things to the surface through his word for them to be dealt with so that we can be stronger and, and healed and go out and bear fruit for him by ministering to somebody else in that situation. God's plan has always been to be fruitful and to increase. It's the very thing he told Adam and Eve in the garden. Be fruitful and increase. I've given you the dominion. You know that? He's given you authority and dominion over the elements, the weather, over the, the creeping things on the ground, the animals, uh, the fish in the sea, the, everything on this earth has been placed under man's dominion. When Satan came into the garden and tricked Adam and Eve, he tricked them into giving them their, giving him their authority. And that's what Jesus came. He came to purchase, uh, uh, to pay the price for our ransom from sin and death. And to give, he said, he, he, he took the keys of Hades and death from the devil in hell. And so what he did there was he took those keys of authority. And he said, behold, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And for many of us, what we do is that we get so consumed with the issue or the problem or the, or the apathy is another one. You know, there are... Yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. I couldn't be bothered. I'm tired. And, you know, tomorrow runs into the day after and runs into the day after. And suddenly, you know, three months have gone by and, and, and you know, we haven't studied the word of God. This is how he operates. And it's actually a spirit that's behind that. It's called the spirit of Python. Uh, and it's mentioned in Acts um, as a spirit of divination. This is why the occult, fortune-telling, horoscopes, all these witchcraft, uh, you know, New Age theologies, they are dangerous. You are dabbling with darkness there. But that, that divination is that, that spirit of Python. And what it does, what the enemy does, is he comes in and he wraps himself around like a serpent does. Uh, you know, how a snake takes its prey is, is it suffocates the life out of its prey until that victim has no more breath in him, has no more energy. So apathy, heaviness, this is all a sign of that spirit. 
Well, Jesus said, I've given you the keys. I paid the price to take those keys back from Satan so that you can now walk in dominion and authority in your life. This is what the enemy does. He makes people feel overwhelmed that I don't know what to do. I don't have the answer. You're bloody right you don't have the answer, but he is the answer, and he has given you that authority. Luke 10, 19, behold, I give you the authority to trample, not just to sort of do a little, you know, oh, to actually trample him under your feet. So you bind the enemy in that situation. I bind you, Satan. And I loose, Lord, your spirit into that situation. I loose, Father God, your ministering angels. I release them right now. I command them to go and do your word in Jesus' name. This is how we have the authority and how we carry it out. The only way we're going to do that is by staying in the word of God, speaking his word, and watching him uh, accomplish those things that looked impossible to us because it is the situation impossible of course it is more than likely it is but that's the thing about God is he always calls us up higher and the enemy will always come and try and bring more and more snares and hindrances try and hedge you in all around it's like it's coming from every direction and you're saying I, I, I don't know how to come against this you need to stand up and take authority. It's the enemy's plan to destroy. Steal, kill and destroy. How he does it is with that poison. Um, I read in that book Geraldine gave me. It's a brilliant book uh, about that python spirit. You know that no one ever dies from a snake bite. They die from the poison that has been released inside. And where the enemy can, can anesthetize or paralyze a person and make them feel helpless and overwhelmed and heavy. He's already accomplished what he needed there then. There's many people that are in the graveyard who, who never, never accomplished the plans the Lord had for their lives. And that's so sad. God has great things planned for you, no matter what age you are, whether you're three or 103, it doesn't matter. The years of a man are 120 years, God told Moses. Are you anywhere near 120 years? Hello? <laughs> no, you're not. Well, then you've plenty of life in you. <laughs> and there is a reason, because he has a plan for you, in Jesus' name. So, um, in Isaiah chapter 55, Isaiah 55. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? And your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. And let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live. 
And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. Amen. So look, you know, the Lord is saying here, we've been eating trash all our lives. We've been eating the devil's trash. And God is saying, it's doing you no good. You're not, you're not thriving. You're not doing well. Why are you wasting your money on those things that don't matter? See, this is the, in, in the parable of the sower. And Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, you'll understand none of the word of God. He said, the sower sows the word. He sows the seeds. And uh, some seeds fall on you know, the wayside as, as the farmer's walking down to the field. Some seeds fall out of the, out of the bag. And they may take root, but they're, they're very weak because they're, they've not been planted in the ground. They just fell on the ground. And so uh, there's no root system in them. And the minute the sun comes out, they're gone. Uh, then these other seeds that fall, you know, he said, the um, weeds grow up around them. The cares um, of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. Myself and mom were, were gardening today and, and, oh my God, the weeds. It's just unbelievable. And the way they choke really good plants um, and, 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 you know, intricately weave around them inside. And so you've got to get all those weeds out in order for that plant to be able to be nourished uh, and, and for the light to come upon it. And this is the way the Lord spoke about us when we're not... Um, you know, feasting at his table. There's, there's choking by other things when we're being distracted. That's what he's saying here. Why are you spending your money for what is not bread? For those things that are taking you away from the real thing that matters. That's why he spoke to Martha and Mary that day. Martha was giving out. Lord, will you give out to her and tell her, get in here to the kitchen and help me. Mary was sitting at his feet and he said, Martha, Martha, you're worried about many things, but, you know, Mary has chosen the good thing. There was nothing wrong with Martha wanting to feed Jesus and all his entourage. But what she needed to do first was to take time to feed herself. He could have, you know, brought a, a, a supernatural meal to them, no problem. And for us, that's many of us, that's the way we act. You know, we try and do it, first of all, ourselves and sort it out for the Lord. Really, I need to sort it out for you, Lord, because you're not doing anything. That's for sure. And, and what happens is, is we miss the important thing. Sitting at his feet. So I remember years ago, uh, the Lord really ministered this word to me in Isaiah 55. And, you know, you... I have a, an inkling, I really love um, McDonald's, and as some people here give out to me all the time about it, but I also love salads. And you know, there are days where uh, I will eat salads and I'll say, God, I love this, it's delicious. But there are other days where I'll run in and go to McDonald's and I'll have to pray over the food and say, Lord, I ask you now to <laughs> supernaturally bless this. So that <laughs> but um, the thing is, is, McDonald's is trash, like, you know, there's no nutrition in it. And there's nothing good in it. And many of us, we've been eaten on trash and not on the good food. So what's, uh, back to John and we'll finish uh, John 15. And verse 9 where we left off earlier on. 
This is one of my favourite scriptures. It was a scripture that um, I, the day I got married, uh, we we had this reading and and a lady um, sang a song and she sang this chapter in a song uh, which I'd never heard of before and it really means a lot to me. And you know, this is the thing. This is the answer: is the love of God, allowing the Lord's love for us. If we understand how much He loves us and how much he wills for us to succeed, how much he wills for us to thrive in his presence and in his love, uh, we will be able to enter into a level of rest that we will say, I don't care what's happening. I know that God has the answer, and he will bring me out in Jesus' name. So, and verse 9, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Amen. So he's saying here, you know, I'm your friend. And, and imagine that, uh, and I think Mag sings that song, you know, as the deer pants for the water. And one of the verses says, you know, you're um, my friend and you are my brother, even though you are a king. That's who Jesus Christ is. Many of you, you know, maybe you don't have a brother or maybe you don't have an older sibling. Uh, maybe you didn't have somebody who protected you. But, you know, your brother is Jesus. Many of you have, have had your parents pass away and, and you know, or maybe are orphans. And, and it can be a lonely place in life because, you know, that's, who covers you? But listen, God covers you. He covers you with his love. And he wants you to come to that place of receiving his love. That, uh, you know, coming and sitting on his lap and allowing him to minister to you like a father ministers to, ch to his child. Mm -hmm. Everything is going to be okay. And I believe that's what he wants to say to you tonight. Mm -hmm. Everything is going to be okay. Mm -hmm. You watch and see what God does for you. You mm -hmm. watch and see as you join your faith to his power. Mm -hmm. There is nothing that is impossible to you. Jesus said in, um, I'm not sure where it is now again, uh, is it Matthew 19 or something like that? He said, look, with men, things look impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. So no matter what the situation is, uh, there is a solution. And when we bring Jesus, the Prince of Peace, into that situation, um, he actually went on here in John um, 15, you know, he got, very interestingly, he says the next line is, if the world hates you, <laughs> they know that it hated me first of all. And, and this is what many people f come up against is that when you take a stand for the Lord or when you uh, try to honor the Lord in your life, the next thing that happens is persecution and harassment. <laughs> and, and you're saying, where did this come out of? 
But you see, anyone who, who uh, turns to the Lord, you know, the enemy uh, turns his attention to you straight away. When Paul was ministering, uh, there was these seven sons of Sceva. Sceva was like a high priest. And um, they had seen that Paul went around praying in the name of this Jesus. And they said, uh, we'll, we'll try this ourselves. So they took this demon-possessed man uh, into a, a house. And they started praying and saying, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, come out of this man. And the demon spoke back to them, very interestingly. And he said, Paul I know, and Jesus I know, but who are you? And it says that this one man took those seven men and beat them up so that they ran bruised and bleeding and naked from the house. And if any of you have ever come and, and seen somebody who's been demonized, you can see it in their, in, in their eyes, you know. And, and it's the first sign of a believer. Believers shall cast out demons in my name. But you see, it's believers. It's people who have already accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior and who know him. Jesus said, at the end of the time, or at the end of the age, many will come to me and they'll say, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We did this in your name and we did that in your name. And he'll say, depart from me because I never knew you. And again, like I said the last day, you know, that word know, it's the word that's also translated for when a man and a woman, uh, you know, who, who uh, come to know each other intimately uh, in marriage, and, and consummate that marriage that's the word no so that's how close the Lord wants to know you not in a perverted weird way but that you know uh, we feed on his word that we get to know him and, and, and uh, spend time with him that he's our best friend and that's what he said here but he said watch out because you will be persecuted and that's just a fact of life if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they would keep yours also. But all these things that they do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But that now they have no excuse for their sin. That's a sad place to be. He who hates me hates my father also. And he went on to say, you know, that this is why it was written, they hated me without a cause. And then he promises, and this is still in John 15, in verse um, 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So he promised that uh, the Helper, who's translated there, Holy Spirit, the paraclete, he's actually the helpers translated. And paraclete means one who comes alongside you. And so no matter what situation you're going through, you have to understand you have a helper with a big H. And he is the Holy Spirit. He's your comforter. He's your teacher. He is uh, your advocate. He's the one who will lift you up and support you. He's the one who lives inside of you. It's God in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory, is the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. 
and he will bring about. You pray, Lord, I, I bind up every assignment that's been released against me right now. And I release, Father God, I loose your spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask you to take control of this situation. Lord, Holy Spirit, you know everything. You know the answer to everything. And I thank you for bringing the answer and the solution in this situation. But I thank you, Lord, that you will have me to stand strong. You will hold me up, uphold me with your righteous right hand. If you look there in Isaiah chapter 41, this is a scripture mom speaks out a lot. Uh, Isaiah chapter 41. I'm nearly done. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Let's read it together, 10, 11, and 12. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all those who were incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be as nothing, and those who strive with you shall perish. You shall seek them and not find them. Those who contended with you, those who war against you, shall be as nothing, as a non-existent thing. And in 13, for I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand saying to you, fear not, I will help you. That's what God is saying to you today. Fear not, I will help you. You, you. you need to learn God's word so that you can speak it out. Um, in, in Isaiah 49 as well, it's scripture, Breeder reads a lot uh, out and it's uh, for anybody who's maybe in a situation where, where there's... Uh, difficulties in relationships and things like that you know where people are being held captive this is something you can pro proclaim it's something if you've got children you can proclaim over them as well um, Isaiah 49 and verse uh, 25 as you know I love the book of Isaiah I think Isaiah is just there's a word in there for every day of the week <laughs> so there is Isaiah 49 25 but thus says the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away and the prey of the terrible be delivered. For I will contend with him who contends with you and I will save your children. I will feed those who oppress you with their own flesh and they shall be drunk with their own blood as with sweet wine. All flesh shall know that I, the Lord, am your savior and your redeemer, the mighty one of Jacob. At the end of the day, you know, it doesn't matter what the enemy's doing because God's promises in here, if they're put into your mouth by you and into your heart uh, and you speak them out and release them, it doesn't matter what the enemy's doing because all he's doing is putting on a show. But like David, when David went out onto that battlefield and he said, I come to you in the name of the Most High God and he will defeat you for me. Like Jehoshaphat, you know, the word that was given to him in, in um, First or Second Chronicles chapter 20, uh, when, when the, the Spirit of God came upon the man and he said, go out, the Lord will fight for you. Uh, to Moses in Exodus chapter 14, God spoke to him and he said, you see those enemies you see before you today, you shall see them no more forever, for I will fight for you. 
God will fight for you. And the more that we spend time just ministering to the Lord and allowing him. See, many people are great at this. Oh God, I thank you. Oh God, you know, and and we tend to pray. But listen, sometimes he wants you just to shut up and sit down in his presence and listen and allow him to minister to you. Relationship is a two-way thing. A a one-sided relationship, you know, they don't tend to work. A good relationship, for a good relationship to work, it needs to be a two-way thing. It needs to be both talking and listening. It needs to be both giving and receiving. And that's what God wants to do for you. Um, So it doesn't matter what the enemy is doing. What matters is, is, where is your attention? What has got your attention? Because whatever has got your attention, that is what is magnified in your life. And whatever uh, you, you do not give attention to, it will wither and die. So either your relationship with the Lord uh, and your spiritual you know, well-being, your soul uh, is withering and dying because you're not spending time with him, or the enemy and all of his tactics, which are under your feet anyway, will wither and die when you magnify the Lord and give him the attention. And, you know, I just felt this, I I wrote it down, I don't know, I'm not saying it's a, a word or anything, but I believe it's a word for us here. Storms come and go. They uproot trees and plants. They break off branches. Storms are a fact of life and everybody faces them. But those who know the Lord, who abide in his word, can ride out any storm. Safe in the knowledge that the Prince of Peace is with us. And you see, you remember when the disciples were in the boat and Jesus was asleep in the boat. And, you know, it looked like that the boat was going to overturn and they were all going to drown. And they were saying, like, will you go down and wake him up? See, will he do something? And they went down and they woke. Imagine they actually had to physically wake him up. And they said that Jesus was sleeping. And they said, are you not worried? We're about to drown. And he said, where is your faith? And he said, he stood up and spoke to the wind. And he said, peace, be still. And the storm stopped immediately. That's who you've got. His name is the Prince of Peace. And the more we learn about the names of God and that we understand the weight and the the majesty and the power in those names. It's not that there's many gods. There's only one God. But, you know, he has all these different attributes. And the Prince of Peace... He is the prince of shalom. He is with you. Emmanuel, God is with you. He speaks peace into your storm. So let us be wise and build a strong and reinforced foundation. Just like Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 7. He said the wise builder will build his house on the rock. The foolish one will build his house on the sand. Make sure it's the rock you're building on. Like in, in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, the rock of ages. That's who God is. The wise builder builds on the rock. And he builds a strong and reinforced foundation. And even if there is a deluge, even if there is, you know, uh, I don't know. I can never remember numbers, but millimeters and millimeters and inches and inches of rain. That house will stand. Even if there is violent gusts and hurricanes, a red warning, even a purple warning, that house will stand. 
Even if there are raging seas and storming sea surges, that house will stand. But the house that's been built on the sand, that will be taken out to sea. And great will be the fall of it. Because we're rooted in his love. It's his love, you see. That's why he said in John, remain in my love. Allow my love to minister to you. You know, that's what God's saying to you today. I love you. Because we're rooted in his love. Because we're knowledgeable in his word and we're being fed. We're not, we're not stick insects or spiritually, you know, emaciated. And that, not that there's anything wrong with anybody. Like there are all kinds of body shapes. But I'm talking about, you know, people who are just actually starving. They're starving for the word of God. We will be able to rest and see his power and overcome every enemy. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So will we break bread to finish? Have you all got your elements? Praise God. Lord, we just thank you today as we take bread together. Father, we we thank you for the things that you are rooting out in each one of us. Lord, in Jesus' name, you know there are things... um, uh, I think physically we often see it when, when somebody, uh, you know, gets a spot or a pimple or, or a boil and, uh, you know, you've got to root to find what's the, uh, why did this start? It could be an ingrown hair or it could be, you know, um, some kind of a bite or a piece of dirt or something like that. And, you know, it needs to be treated. Um, it needs to be healed. Um, sometimes it needs to be squeezed and uh and got out and you know i believe that this word friend uh the word of god that's what he does um you know he he exposes things in us uh he exposes things that are perhaps going on around us uh, that we didn't realize what was the cause or the root of that uh situation and he allows us to to be tooled, like I said, you know, I, I really felt that word so strong. You know, God wants to tool you. He wants to set you up that you have uh, his counsel, his wisdom and the answer for every situation that's going on. And so as we break bread today, uh, Father, we just take this bread together now and we thank you, Lord, for your word. And and Father, we just thank you for sending your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you have come alongside us and you hold us up, Lord. You strengthen us with might in our inner person, in our inner man. Lord, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would shine your glory light into those areas, Father, in our lives that need to be uh, dealt with, issues that are that are triggering uh, stress, issues that are triggering fear and, and terror or, or, you know, some kind of torment, even unforgiveness, uh, bitterness, resentment. Uh, Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus, uh, because you're so gentle, Lord, and we just thank you that, that these things are brought to the surface, Lord, and that uh, just as the good shepherd in Ezekiel 34, that you heal us, Lord, you bandage up our wounds, you heal us and you bring us back into the sheepfold. And Father, I thank you that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You love us, Lord. I pray, Father, that that we would really experience a fresh outpouring and understanding of the depth the height, the width uh, of your love for us, Lord, in Jesus' name. 
So Holy Spirit, I just thank you, Lord, that you give us the grace that we need for today. Lord, I pray that you would give us grace and strengthen us to come through every situation. Thank you, Lord, for providing everything we need today. Give us today our daily bread because we will never live on bread alone, Lord, but we live on every word that proceeds from your mouth. Your word is bread. It is the bread of life to us, Lord Jesus. And we just thank you today for strengthening us. We ask you to forgive us, Lord, for the times when we have been faithless. The times when we've given in or, or, you know, uh, given up. Oh, Father, forgive us in the name of Jesus and, and rearm us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Forgive us, Lord, for being distracted by the things of the world and the things of the enemy. Those, those thorns, those weeds that choke the word, you know, they choke the, the word from working in our lives. Father, forgive us for those things in Jesus' name. Those things that have sapped us of our strength. Uh, Lord, I just pray today for renewed strength, renewed vigor. You know, we were studying there previously the last few weeks in in, uh, Isaiah chapter 40. Um, They that wait upon the Lord, you know, they shall renew their strength. Uh, They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. That's what God wants for us, friend. He wants us to be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Not in our own strength. But like we read in John 15, we can do nothing of ourselves. But praise God, as Philippians 4 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so we take this bread today, Father, and we thank you for this time of fellowship and communion with you. And Lord, we just plead the blood of Jesus against every assignment, every attack of the enemy that has caused us to be distressed or caused us to be uh, confused or or uh, caused us to, to pull away from you, Lord. Uh, Father, forgive us. And, and as we come to you right now, Lord, we come to this table and we eat the good things that you have for us. We eat of the bread of life. And and Lord, we just thank you right now that as we eat this bread, which is a symbol of the body of Jesus that was broken for us, we are eating healing and restoration and knowledge um, of God and of what Jesus did for us at the cross. Lord, we just thank you today that by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. Amen. You can take your bread. Lord Jesus, that night you you shared the Passover meal with your disciples and you you brought in uh, the new covenant, the new covenant that was written in your blood. And as we take this cup, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we acknowledge that we are sinners. Oh, Lord Jesus, forgive us for our sins. And thank you for making us righteous, for cleansing us. Thank you, Lord, that we can come into the presence of Almighty God because of the blood of Jesus that has washed us and wiped out every uh, trace of the handwriting of the law that was against us. Lord Jesus, we stand before you, you know, just like the song Cornerstone, um, Hillsong sing it, and it's actually a very old hymn, the the original lyrics. And, uh, you know, he says uh, that I can stand faultless 
at the throne. And that's who you are, friend. If you've been washed and cleansed in the blood of Jesus, if you've received and accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've given up trying to save yourself, if you know and understand and have acknowledged that you can do nothing without Jesus Christ, but that you can do all things through him, uh, you are a new creation in Christ. Behold, all things have become new. And you are... uh, you know, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That means you have a right standing with God based upon, solely based upon the blood that Jesus shed, not based upon anything good or or any good works that you've done yourself. Yes, certainly we express our faith by doing good works, but we are not saved by our works. We are saved by the blood of Jesus and that alone. And so that's why we take this cup in remembrance of what he did for us at the cross. So Lord Jesus, we take this cup to and we thank you uh, that you have made us holy we could never make ourselves holy or righteous but Lord Jesus when God looks at us now because you're our Lord and Savior he doesn't see us uh, in our fragile human uh, sins and, and our past and our mistakes but when God looks at us because the blood you shed for us which is now on the mercy seat in heaven in the throne of grace God sees Jesus. So Lord, we just lift this cup today to you and we thank you for making uh, the way for us to be blessed, making the way for us to be restored and reconciled to our Father. And Lord, I just thank you right now that as we take this cup, we remember what you did, Jesus. We do it in remembrance of you and we thank you for the covenant of peace that we now have in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take the cup. And if you want that scripture, it's in Isaiah 54, uh, the book of Isaiah, chapter 54. And it says in verse 10, this is a real, you know, chapter of of, um, Isaiah 53 is a chapter all about prophesying about Jesus and about the death he would have upon the cross and why he was doing it. And then Isaiah 54 is the chapter that uh, because he Uh, this Messiah would suffer and die so that many sons could come to glory and that in Isaiah 54 it is a, a chapter of spiritual warfare and based upon our righteousness coming from him alone. And so in verse 10 it says, For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. O you afflicted one, tossed with tempest and not comforted, behold I will lay your stones with colourful gems and lay your foundations with sapphires. Imagine that. Isn't that just such a beautiful picture? That God, you know, is, as I said earlier, he's retooling you. And not only that, but he's rebuilding you from the inside out. You know, when someone buys an old, old house and there's questionable um, foundations or, or, or things like that, they need to get engineers in and they need to, to pour in uh, some kind of support into the foundations. Well, this is what God is saying here, except he's going to lay a totally new foundation and it's going to be made from colorful gemstones, sapphire. You know, sapphire is one of the stones of of, of um, God's throne. And uh, it's, it's uh, such a beautiful 
I think it's a blue diamond, isn't it? But I will make your pinnacles of rubies, your gates of crystal, and all your walls of precious stones. Perhaps you've been through things in the past where the devil has made you feel worthless and made you feel like, you know, really uh, empty and, and, and low, and maybe low self-esteem. Listen, friend, God uh, sees you as a treasured jewel. And he has put his jewels into you to strengthen you and to make you shine. Shine with his love and shine with his power. Shine for him. That's what Isaiah chapter uh, 60 says. You know, arise and shine for your light has come. Even though deep, deep darkness is upon the world, guess what? You will shine because of your relationship with the Father. And it's all based upon, that's why we take communion, why we break the bread with each other uh, and take the cup, is because we have to remind ourselves of the covenant of peace and mercy and righteousness that we have uh, because of what Jesus did for us so that we can have a blessed life. I will make your pinnacles of rubies, your gates of crystal and all your walls of precious stones. All your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. I speak that out you know, so often over my own family, all my children, father, I don't just mean my own physical children that I gave birth to, but I mean, even my spiritual children, father, I thank you because you see anybody who you're ministering to, uh, ministering the word of God. And I'm not trying to say that I'm some great, you know, guru or something, please believe me, I am not. farthest thing from it but you know uh, when you are uh, sharing the gospel and sharing the word of God with people uh, you are like a spiritual mother or a spiritual father to those people and uh, you know you have to see that and this is what the world needs is for men and women in the church to stand up and rise up in the calling that God has put in their lives and that's what we're going to be talking about actually uh, God willing on, on Saturday evening coming And uh, as I say, I'll try and record it again and hopefully not make so much noise with the pages. But um, so I speak this out, you know, Father, I thank you that you promised me that all of my children shall be taught of you, Father, and great shall be the peace of my children in Jesus name. In righteousness, verse 14, you shall be established. You see, righteousness, uh, when we understand righteousness it's so key friend to understand what is righteousness what was Jesus doing on the cross he was paying the price for us to be made right with God we could never save ourselves we could never do enough good things to pay some kind of a penance to build up you know brownie points like the way we build up our you know points on 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 supermarket uh, shopping cards you know, where's your, you know, not mentioning any names now, but they'll ask you, uh, where's your loyalty card? And and you build up all these points and then they give you money or they give you some kind of a treat. That's not how it works with God. You know, we have to understand that we could never save ourselves, but God in his uh, love for us, the human beings that he created, made the way that we could be made right with him, reconciled to him and given peace and given joy. And remember, that's what the angels proclaimed the night that Jesus was born. They proclaimed to the shepherds, peace, goodwill to all men. That's why he came, to bring us peace. 
And so in righteousness, you shall be established. The more understanding, friend, that you gain from the study of God's word about how you are right in God's eyes, how you are worthy to be called his child, how he loves you, how much he paid for you. He gave everything he had. He gave his only son so that you could be saved, so that you could be healed so that you could be delivered, so that you could be set free from whatever it is that has held you in bondage, so that you could uh, be blessed upon this earth. He said, Beloved, I pray above all else that you may prosper and be in good health, even as your soul is prospering. So the direct correlation between our souls being washed with the word of God and being strengthened in the inner man has an actual physical manifestation in our bodies, in that our bodies are made whole and even in our lives, in that we prosper in everything we do. We had this uh, teaching a few weeks ago. I'm not sure if we did a podcast or not about it. In, In Psalm 1, it says, everything, Uh, For the man or the woman who serves the Lord and who knows him and who knows who they are in Christ, that person shall thrive and whatever he does shall prosper. This is not a prosperity message, you know, oh, um, sow this or or give this and you'll get that in, in back. But this means right across your life, friend, you know, mental peace, uh, relational peace, physical peace in your body, uh, uh, financial peace in your in your finances in your work in your job god wants you to have peace in every area and that establishing you know this in righteousness you shall be established it speaks of you being grounded and strong and immovable you know when something is established if you go in the garden and you see a plant and it's sort of uh, strong and vibrant you know that that's an established plant it has set down good roots it is thriving and it is bearing fruit and that's what righteousness and the knowledge of righteousness will do for you so in righteousness you shall be established you shall be far from oppression or tyranny for you shall not fear you see righteousness brings peace Praise God. It also says that in Isaiah, and I can't remember now off the top of my head where it says that in righteousness. Um, You can Google it anyway. Uh, Just Google the words um, righteousness brings peace um, and you'll find that scripture. Uh, You you will be far from oppression for you shall not fear and from terror for it shall not come near you. Indeed, they shall surely assemble, but not because of me. Whoever assembles or or attacks you shall fall for your sake. Behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows coals on the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work, and I have created the spoiler to destroy. And this scripture is key, friend, to understand about how to overcome the attacks that the enemy tries to bring against you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you 
In judgment, you shall condemn. You see, you have a role to play. And when you understand righteousness and when you understand your relationship with the Father because of the blood of Jesus, you are the one who can speak out. In Jesus' name, devil, I bind you today. I command that attack against me or my family. I command it broken in the name of Jesus. And I loose the spirit of life, the spirit of peace into this situation, the spirit of truth. I thank you, Father. No weapon that's fashioned against me or my family shall prosper in Jesus' name. Every tongue that has risen in judgment against me, I condemn those tongues. You know, you're not condemning the people. You're condemning their words and what they have spoken against you. You're emptying their words of their power. Father, I cancel out their words. I empty them of all their power. And I say in Jesus' name that I am blessed. And then you counteract whatever they have been speaking out or judging you or condemning you with. You counteract that with what God's word says about you, of who you are in Christ. I am the righteousness of Christ. I have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. I have right standing with God and I am blessed. That's what God's word says about me. That's how you, that's how you pray, friend. That's called spiritual warfare. And you see, what the enemy does is he so wears you down. And, and, and Daniel uh, prophesied about this in the book of Daniel. He said, you know, the devil, he, he um, wears down the saints. And so he wears people down. He breaks them down. He makes you tired and exhausted. And we're also going to speak about that on, on Saturday evening's um, message. But uh, praise God. This is what he tries to do, is to suffocate you and to drain the life out of you so that you, you feel weak. But I will say this, friend, you know, and I know it's been a few weeks since I've done a podcast. Um, I hope that in those intervening weeks, you have been seeking and searching the word of God for yourself. Because at the end of the day, it's between you and God. You know, you don't look, you're not to look up to man or woman there's no gurus, like I said. There's no uh, great people. There's no one who's got more power than you have. Because if you have been washed and cleansed in the blood of Jesus, you are a child of God, the exact same as me. And you know, I, I've said it before, we all put our underpants on one leg at the time in the morning. Oh, <gasps> what? <laughs> yes, all of us are the same in God's eyes. So you have to condemn those tongues. You have to. Know the word of God and you refute the devil's arguments because he's trying to, um, it says it in Corinthians too, that he, um, these casting down, we need to cast down strongholds and high things and that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. You see, the devil is a liar and he will lie and say things that are not true and you need to know the truth so that you can refute his lies with the truth. Anyway, getting into this week's message, I need to keep away from that. Uh, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. I love that scripture. Our righteousness is from the Lord. And the word righteousness there translates, you know, in the Hebrew, um, in the Hebrew language, every word um, has a number. And the Hebrew number for the, the word righteousness Guess what it is? It's six, 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 six. You, oh, you thought I was going to say six, six, six. No, that, that's the number of the devil according to the book of Revelation, but, um, or the number that the Antichrist uses. But the number of, uh, that the word righteousness, um, is in, in the Hebrew language is number six, 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 six. 
So praise God. That supersedes anything the devil can do. Hallelujah, because God's power is greater. Father, we just release your anointing today. I thank you for confirming your word with signs following. I thank you, Father, for you uh, intervening in these, uh, my friends, uh, my brothers and sisters' lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Father. Oh, God, you are so wonderful, Lord. You love them so much. And I thank you, Lord, for a breakthrough. I, I release the spirit of breakthrough. I release the spirit of peace, Lord. I, I cast down, I command all those arguments, all those high things, those vain imaginations that have tried to exalt themselves against the knowledge of who you say we are, Lord. I command those things broken today. I break the power of every evil word, every spirit of strife that has been released against uh, each one of us, Lord. Every attack, every spirit of retaliation, I command bound and broken in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father, that these uh, people, Father God, uh, all of them are taught of you, Lord, and great shall be their peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Talk to you soon, friend.